You're listening to the Texas Lawn and Garden Hour with Neil Sperry. Neil is America's most tenured gardening talk show host, and you can talk to him now, 888-256-1080. And now, here's Neil. Good morning, everybody. Everybody, and that means you. We're glad to have you. Boy, that was abrupt. Music just left. I guess they went on strike. We have a beautiful day around Texas right now, and it's a good day to talk about gardening at your place. That's what we're here about. That's what we're here to do. Jared Taylor running the boards, answering the phones. Neil Sperry answering the questions. That's the team. It's a big team. In this sport, you only have two players to play the team, the game, and we're the team. So give us a call live today right now. This is live weekend radio. Have you ever heard of such a concept? 888 888- 256 What can I tell you that is current events that will let you know it's live? Uh, football playoffs start now, but I don't have any scores because they just haven't started yet. So it's not going to prove anything, is it? 888-256-1080 for the Texas Lawn and Garden Hour. And uh, love to hear from you right now. We have a call up. That's good. So we have a, we we have the beginnings of establishing a program. We have the first brick for the building here, so we'll uh, we'll talk gardening. This is actually a good time to uh, lay plans for the gardening season of the year, and and uh, so let's do that. Let's talk about how you're going to relandscape your your home, or how you're going to have a better vegetable garden this year. I bet there are going to be a lot of vegetable gardens this year with groceries being. <laughs> Oh, what they are, my goodness gracious. And uh, maybe we can help you. But, you know, put some figures to that, because if you're going to buy a packet of seed and do all the soil preparation, there are some crops that you can really save some money on, and there are some crops that you'd be better off to go buy at the grocery. Can you spell strawberries (laughs) in Texas? Anyway, that's what we're here to talk about. So give us a call one more time. That number is 888 Two five six ten eighty. I will save the rest of the uh, banter in case I need to fill some spaces here and there, and I'll get my first break out of the way, and then we can uh, start out with Karen and North Zulch, and on to your call as well. 888-256-1080. Please, let's fill up all four lines. Let's try that. See how it works. Neil Spray's Lone Star Gardening is my book, and... Uh, Folks, I did this book myself. I self-published it. I've never self-published a book before. I I took a chance. When you self-publish, that means that you have to hire your own editor if you're going to have an editor. You have to hire your own graphic designer if you're going to have a graphic designer. If you don't have any photos, you don't need a graphic designer so much. I had what ended up being 840 photos. I kind of needed a graphic designer. And I really needed an editor because, uh, well, I had worked with a wonderful one. Carolyn Skye was the editor of this book, and she is retired as a senior publications editor at a major California state university. And Cindy Smith is the uh, graphic designer that I've used for all kinds of projects. Cindy and I and my wife are working on a a big project right now. And uh, so the three of us did this book, Cindy and Carolyn and I. We live maybe eight or ten miles apart, and it was a joy to do it. Eleven chapters. Chapter one is the basics of gardening in Texas, things you have to know to get started. Chapter two is a 48-page calendar telling you when to plant, 
prune, fertilize, and spray all the plants in your landscape and garden. And then the other nine chapters are dedicated specifically, one chapter each in great detail on trees, shrubs, vines, ground covers, annuals, perennials, lawns, fruit, and vegetables to help you choose the best plants in each category to be successful in Texas. It's written for every county in Texas and southern Oklahoma, I might add, and uh, so it will help you be a successful gardener in Texas. Now, for a limited time, I've reduced the price of the book to thirty-six ninety-five. That's basically to help you in these economic times. It kind of is to help me in these economic times as well. When you self-publish, you get to pay for everything up front. And so, do you know the term cash flow? I do. <laughs> and, and so it's for me as well. It's just thirty-six ninety-five. Satisfaction guaranteed or a full refund. I sign every copy as it sells because I have them stored in my garage and I am ready to sign and ship this early this next week. I take them to the post office myself. So I'd love to sign a book for you and get it in the mail directly to you. Satisfaction is completely guaranteed or a full refund. I said that. And uh, it is not in stores and not on Amazon. Here are the two ways that you can order Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening. This is not the book with the cowboy boots. That book was done in 1991. This is the much better book, Lone Star Gardening. You get it from neilsperry.com or you call my office Monday through Friday. We'll be open Monday. Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, and that's at 800-752-GROW. 800-752-4769. My website is n-e-i-l-s-p-e-r-r-y dot com. When people think of Mueller, they think of quality steel buildings, and they should. Mueller's great. They think of durable metal roofing. They should. Mueller makes roofing to last a lifetime. But that name Mueller means so much more because it means you're going to have a product manufactured by Mueller, including in-house engineers to help design the building of your dreams. And it means you'll have a company in business for 90 years, more than 90 years, standing behind your warranty. Also means you get tons of added value like roofing site visits and forklift delivery and that Mueller assurance team that's ready to help you along the way. And Mueller's on the cutting edge, designing and manufacturing new products like their greenhouses and standing seam roofing panels. If you'd like to find out more about Mueller products, go to MuellerInc.com, M-U-E-L-L-E-R-I-N-C.com. You can give them a call at 877-2-MUELLER. 877-268-3553. It's a great Texas-grown company. That's 877-268-3553. Or stop by one of their 33 locations. MuellerInc.com. Mueller means more. I'll have more after this message. All right, Kelly, thank you very much. Let's fill up the lines, please, folks. Let's do that. Make the uh, talk show host uh, breathe more easily. 888-256-1080. This is your chance to call. Karen in North Zulch, first up this morning. Thanks for calling. How can I help you? Okay, I have a, a dumb question, okay? You bet. I bet it isn't dumb. <laughs> okay, I, I got a, a load of dirt hauled in a couple of years ago, and um, I just was going to put it in, you know, holes in the yard where, uh, you know, for whatever reason, I got holes in the yard, 
Um, and I was wondering, it's all grown up with, uh, you know, like goat weeds and all that kind of stuff now. Can I put some weed killer on that before I actually put it in the holes in the yard uh, to get those weeds gone so they won't come up in the yard? Or would that kill any grass that I would, you know, have around it? Karen, you can put any kind of a weed killer on it that will kill existing weeds that are growing actively now. In other words, contact weed killers. You don't want to put okay. anything that has to go into the soil to kill the weeds. Um, okay. There are weed killers that will go into soil and, and kill for a period of time. Those might be used on an abandoned uh, parking lot or something. You don't want to use anything like that. Uh, so, okay. So my answer is probably you don't want to use any weed killers because I doubt if you have very many active weeds right now. Anything that's growing out there right now, when you got ready to move that soil and uh, either lift it with a shovel or with a some kind of a mechanical device or something, you're going to disturb yeah. those weeds enough that they're not going to be a problem. Any seeds that are in that soil are going to go ahead and try to germinate, but when you start mowing it out in the yard, uh, you're probably going to kill most of the weeds that germinate and come up this uh, spring and summer. So you could go ahead okay. and use it. The, the one thing I would be concerned about when you put that soil out in your yard, there are two weeds that come to mind that would worry me uh, that, that come with soil that we buy. One would be Johnson grass. If you have any Johnson yeah. grass in it, I'd try to get all of those roots out of it as you sprinkle it across your lawn uh, in the areas you're filling. And the other would be nutsedge or nutgrass. You really need to get yeah. that out as you as you put it out. And but you can you can address uh, Johnson grass will go away when you mow your yard. It doesn't stand mowing very well. And if you have nutsedge that comes up, there are products Image and and uh, a sedge hammer can be used later to get rid of it if if all else fails. But anyway, I'm giving you okay. a really thorough answer. But but I I doubt if there's any I doubt if there's anything that you would be adding in January. Okay. Okay. Well, let me ask you one other question, if you don't mind. Um, sure. You know, when it got so warm, uh, some of my lilies, my bulbs started, you know, coming up. Um, and now after that freeze the other day, I didn't think about covering them up. And and they're still green, you know, but they look kind of a little bit sad. Do I do anything with them to try to, you know, will they survive and come and bloom in the spring or... They hadn't turned brown yet. <laughs> All right, so they are lilies. Are you sure they're? Yeah, you know, I, and I, and to be honest with you, I don't even know for sure what kind of lilies they are. I bought a bunch of bulbs, and I just I hadn't right. used them, and so, I just so put them my all answer in the my answer will be no more accurate than your question was. Uh, <laughs> every every kind of bulb uh, will will vary depending on what it is. Uh, if you have, and I, I know these are not likely to be tulips or daffodils, or you would have called them by those names, but those are winter hardy, even though they try to sprout and come up. I have them coming up in my yard right now, and we're north uh -huh. of Dallas, where we live, much colder than North Beach yeah. is, and yeah. they haven't been phased by the cold. We got down to uh, single digits, and, and it didn't bother them at all. I have some other okay. bulbs that bloom in the fall that have all their leaves right now, and that's oxblood lily and and spider lilies and those, and they normally are green all winter, and then their foliage dies in the spring. Well, I was out walking Zeus the dog this morning, and I noticed they were pretty well browned, and I don't know what that's going to mean for this year's uh, October, uh, September bloom cycle, but 
but they may be hurt a little bit. And, but normally things that, that try to sprout out during the winter time are going to be pretty durable. They'll probably be okay. You can't do anything about okay. it anyway. My suggestion is find <laughs> something else to worry about. There's plenty out there for us. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I appreciate your help, and yeah, but, and again, I, I like your book. Well, I appreciate you. I, I appreciate calls from North Zilch. North Zilch used to be the train stop that we got on when I was growing up in College Station to take the train when yeah. I was a kid. So there you go. I have to ride it one time. One time was all, but it was fun. That's fun. Have a good day. Thank you, Karen. Thank you. Uh huh. Bye bye. All right, and uh, let's see. Let's let's take another call. Uh, let me open the line up and tell you that you can call right now at 888-256-1080. Good time to call. We go to Allison in McKinney, where I live, so that's a great thing. Probably not very far apart. Allison, this is Neil. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, we're not. How can I help you? Your phone's cutting out a little bit. How can I help you? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm on down to College Station. Good deal. So, I'm on the back roads down here. I'm go- We're heading down to see our daughter. But, yes, we don't live very far from you. And two questions I have for you. Number one is, when do I need to trim back my roses? Okay. What's the other question in case we get cut the, off? But the, the other question I have for you is, do Shasta daisies, do they have a lifespan? My... Some of my Shasta daisies died out in the hot summer of this year. They used to, and um, they don't seem to be coming back. All right. Well, stay with me, and I'll uh, I'll, I'll talk to you, but just in case we uh, get separated. Um, roses are pruned in, it depends a little bit on what type of rose, but for the most part, roses are pruned the first two weeks of February. Uh, you okay. prune bush roses to uh, by 50%, by half in mid-February, and you prune right above a bud that faces away from the center of the plant so that you encourage outward growth. It's kind of like you prune peach trees and plum trees. You want them to grow outward, not back into the center of the plant, um, and, and by 50%. Um, climbing roses, especially the old-fashioned types that only bloom one time, you prune right after they bloom in, in, in the spring, so that would be in April, late April. Um, I, I will tell you, Allison, having been in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex for many, many years, for decades now, and specifically in McKinney, it has been a decade. It's been 14 years since I have seen good-looking roses because of rose rosette virus. Uh, if you have been familiar with uh, Stacy Road, as an example, east of Central, that was all knockout roses. There were hundreds, if not thousands, of them planted there uh, when that all that shopping complex uh, opened up, and there's not a rose there anywhere. I'm trying to think of other places that had a lot of knockout roses and other rose varieties. Uh, over in Frisco, there were a lot on Legacy, and they're all gone because of rose rosette virus. Uh, even hybrid teas and others, no rose is immune to it. So be very mindful of, of your roses and make sure that you don't uh, have uh, rose rosette virus in them. Uh, there's a McDonald's on Eldorado Parkway on the east side of Central, down toward Industrial, uh, where we stop, and, and in, in McKinney, and, and they've never figured out that their plants are doomed from rose rosette virus. Uh, it starts with plants that have uh, abnormally uh, large numbers of thorns on the canes. The, there will often be a, a cane that will have a very large 
uh, stem a bull cane, uh, maybe the size of your thumb, just huge cane, and buds that are much larger than normal on that one cane. And the buds don't open properly and they, they turn brown. And then the plants begin to get deformed and a year or two later they're gone. This is a long time disease. We've had it for 80 years and, and yet it has really become a problem in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex and now across the state of Texas more. Um, there is a multi-million dollar study that has been going on for years at Texas A&M. Um, and they have not yet found a workaround for this disease. So be, it's spread by a microscopic mite. Uh, we can't control the mite, we can't control the disease. So uh, you don't want to mess with that if you have it. I want, don't want to be the prophet of doom for you, but just want you to be aware. You can see it on my website at neilsperry.com. I've left it archived there uh, so people could compare and, and see if that's what, it, uh, what, what they have. Um, as far as your Shasta daisies, it varies a lot uh, on the variety. Some of the tall varieties I have found, my own experience, don't last as long. They kind of play out after a few years. Yes, I think they do have a life expectancy. Okay. Some of the shorter types in my gardens have have uh, uh, grown well, and you, you have to dig and divide them every couple of years, much more frequently than most other perennials and separate them and and rejuvenate them but they will the smaller types shorter types will usually last at least for me uh longer the ones that are the big showy things that just blow you over when you see them in the catalogs uh, for me don't last as well i i we have noticed that the ones that um we divide those are coming back they yes. have been rejuvenated and it's just the ones that have stayed in in a certain spot so um my mom and i both were having that problem she lives in princeton and so we were both having that problem and um i wanted to ask you about that and as far as the the rosette disease goes we have had a couple of rose bushes have that just cut them out just get rid of them um before they affect other things so roots and I all yeah roots yes, and all right. you gotta get rid of the roots and and it's uh, it once you have them in the neighborhood i mean on your yard or on the block it's likely that all the roses nearby we live a quarter mile half mile from the nearest rose plant and somehow my roses got it two years ago after all those years so it's just it's really frustrating it's just really frustrating there's no one has found a way to to keep it from happening. So. No, it's it's one of those deals. It's like some of the human diseases. We just haven't figured it out yet, but they'll they'll get there. I have on on my website. I have put a couple of plants that I uh, I feel are good uh, replacements. We were eating on the square one night in June, and we drove off the square southbound, and I saw a uh, an attorney's office that had the perfect workaround. The plants were blooming. They were the same height, same colors and many of the same features dwarf crepe myrtles and i said you know what that's the replacement they may not look yeah. like roses may not smell like roses but they give uh, a similar look in a landscape so i'm going to start recommending those so it's fun to have somebody from mckinney call that i can explain in mckinney terms so anyway <laughs> um the other thing is um rosa sharon they don't get they won't get that disease, correct? No, no. It is strictly roses. Okay. And roses sharing, of course, in the cotton family, unrelated totally. No, no problem there. Yeah. 
Well, I appreciate you so much. You bet. Drive you safely. Gig them. Thank All you right. so much. We have Bye a grandson at A&M. You bet. Take care. Oh, Bye-bye. Yeah. Yep. Bye-bye. See you. My hometown has changed a little since I was growing up in College Station. Just a little. All right. Need some calls, folks. Give me a call right now, won't you please? Let's fill those lines. 888-256-1080. 888-256-1080. Had about 6,000 people at Cuyahoga College Station when I transferred to Ohio State and about six or 6,500 at the university. It has changed just a little bit. Proud of A&M. My dad would not believe that. He worked there for 27 years, and it was not a lot bigger than that when he retired. Neil Sperry's eGardens is my free electronic newsletter, and I'd like to tell you just a little about it because I've worked really hard. It's it, We're in our 19th year now. We just began our 19th year last week, and um, I think we've worked really hard to make it. Uh, what I dreamed it might be originally. It's like an old-fashioned garden section. It comes weekly. It comes on Thursday evenings so that you can plan your weekend gardening activities around it. Uh, there are five stories each week, and one of the stories that I have is um, is called Gardening This Weekend, where I outline the things you need to do that weekend in your landscape and garden. And by Thursday, we have a pretty good idea of what the weather is going to be, so it is very much focused on what the weather is going to be doing in Texas. Uh, one of the stories is a featured plant of the week, so I can tell you that something that looks really great right now or something that needs to be planted right now. And then I have expanded the Q&A section uh, to where I answer questions that people have sent to me. And, uh, and, and that has gone over like a million bucks. I also have a featured story by an outside garden writer each time, almost every time. Uh, we're adding one or two to that, and that's going to make the, uh, the, the publication even better. This is an electronic publication, hence eGardens. So you'll find it to be, I think, really helpful. People tell me, Neil, that's the best thing you have done, and I'm flattered by that. Neil Sperry's eGardens, free and weekly. I will never spam you. I don't give or sell your email address to anybody. No exceptions. You can see what it looks like by going to my website. That's where you sign up for it. You have to do the signing up, and that's at neilsperry.com. Same place you go to buy my book, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. Then click on eGardens. Neil Sperry's eGardens at neilsperry.com. We'll have more after these messages. All right, Kelly, thank you very much. Kelly Robinson and I have been friends for 42 years, 1980. That's a long time. It's a long friendship. Yeah, 43. Yeah, 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 I got to get my years squared around here. It's not very far into, into 2023. Give me a break. Come on. Jared thinks he can get by with stuff because he can talk in my ear and you can't hear him. Let's go to Sam in Robertson County. Sam, this is Neil. Good morning. Good morning, Mr. Neal, and thank you for taking my call. Absolutely. Uh, the question is, how do I eliminate ants safely and without contaminating my soil or the food crops that I plant in tubs? All right. Um, that is not as easy to answer as it is to ask. <laughs> first I understand. Of all, first of all, it depends on what kind of ants. Are these fire I never ants? asked them, but uh, <laughs> well, lay your hand down, and you'll know in about five minutes, maybe five seconds. Are they fire ants? I would say so. Okay, 
then what you want to use, and, and my answer will be fairly easy, you want to use one of the area-wide baits. Um, if you put a bait out around a garden, uh, this, this would be true on an in-ground vegetable garden, just a normal vegetable garden. You can go around the perimeter of the vegetable garden and put a bait down. These are, I think, uh, probably fipronil uh, active baits, and the ants will carry that uh, insecticide back to the mound and uh, feed it to the queen. And, and uh, the baits are slow-acting insecticides. That's why it takes a few days for them to be effective. You don't want something that's going to kill the, the, the worker ant you know, as soon as it picks it up. You want it to be able to carry it back to the mound. And, um, and so the baits are okay to use around the perimeter. You don't put them in the garden. You put them around the garden. And that will work. That would not contaminate the soil once they take it into the queen? No, sir. Or the root, the no, veggies? Sir. No, sir. I, I'm going to, also, I'm not an entomologist. My training is horticulture, and I'm comfortable with that answer. I know that answer to be accurate because I've seen it. That is Fipronil? Fipronil. But what I'm going to recommend is that you look at Texas A&M Entomology online and uh, I would suggest that you uh, add to that search uh, the words uh, fire ants and vegetable garden. And uh, I think you'll find that it will tell you to use a, a, a bait around the perimeter. Very good. Uh, thank you for that information. Yeah, it's going to have to be warmer. It's a little, well, it's, no, these are kind of warm days. Do it on a warm day. Fire ants come out, you've noticed the same thing probably. They get really active on a, on a warm day in late right. January, February, especially as far south as you are. So anyway, I think we have you, I think we have you a solution. Good Thank you kindly. Them. Appreciate yes, your show. You keep up your good work. I'm doing my best. Thank you, sir. Take care. Let's go to Mike in Collin County, back to my hometown. This is kind of interesting. Then the next call will be Nancy and College Station as we hopscotch back and forth. Mike, this is Neil. Good morning. Morning, Neil. Always a pleasure. Thank you. I've got, uh, let's talk crepe myrtles. Good. Yeah, I know you love crepe myrtles. Um, one of my favorites is the Catawba. It is it's my absolute favorite. Is that right? Yes, well, um, bar none. What can you Well, what can you offer me in a dwarf variety crepe myrtle of that color and Let's hardiness? Eat. Petite Plum, introduced by Monrovia Nursery Company in the 1960s, I believe in 1960. Petite Plum. Mm -hmm. It may be kind of hard to find. Um, I believe that uh, I believe that Covington's Nursery in Rowlett normally handles it, and I see it from time to time in uh, in um, uh, Callaways also. And you can certainly okay. ask around because. Of all the Petite series, that, that was a series at Monrovia Nursery, a wholesale grower out in California, the huge wholesale nursery in California, you bet. Uh, uh, raised it, and, and they had a whole series of these Petites, and it is, I think, one of the two or three that stuck around more than any of the others. But I love that variety as well. It's, it's really, really pretty. You're talking three to five feet? Uh, yes, sir, exactly. Is there any... Pruning? Do these are these hardy enough in Collin County that you don't have to worry about? Um, I, I want the reason I'm going to ask this question is I thought I've seen somewhere where some of these dwarf varieties you actually cut back each year to the ground. Is this true or not? <laughs> I, this is this is a strange. Please let me explain to my other listeners. This program 
airs on 30 stations. There is mm-hmm. no station. I don't, I don't know how you found out about it, and I don't know how the earlier caller did, but there is no station in the Metroplex that carries this program, and so I rarely get calls from right around Dallas-Fort Worth. I rarely give references specific locations. Uh, Mike, there is a there is a home on Waddle Street in McKinney that mm-hmm. is an older neighborhood, as you would surmise, uh, just north of the White Street, and they have for years, it's the one that's photographed in my book, uh, they have had uh, dwarf crepe myrtles, not miniature weeping, but the dwarfs, the next step up, these three to five foot tall ones, and they have cut them uh, way back to ankle height, kind of like you would salvia gregi. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the perennial, and they have come back beautifully each year. They treat them as perennials. I've watched that go on for 30 or 35 years. That is the only, and I'm, I'm not saying this to you, I'm saying it to the other people who are tending to top their crepe myrtles this time of year. That is the only time in, in my life that I have ever okayed topping crepe myrtles is on those doors. Right. Uh, uh, because it, it works beautifully. They come back and, and you're not looking for, they're not going to produce big flower heads anyway. They're just going to produce multitudes of them, and they're beautiful. So they're on Waddle Street. I'm, that house may have changed, or the owners may have gotten, like some of the rest of us, gotten older. And they, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't seem to be quite as, as pristinely maintained as it was. But anyway, yeah, you can do that with those. But now remember, and, and now here I probably am insulting your intelligence. I'm not talking about the miniature weeping types with the, the uh, South Louisiana names like Lafayette and, and Cordon Bleu and New Orleans and Baton Rouge. I'm talking about the, the Petite series and the other really short, the three to five foot ones, not the 18 inch ones. You got it. Thanks for uh, your help. Really the appreciate petite, the comments. The Petite series have never let me down for winter hardiness. They are very hardy and very beautiful. And uh, you may or may not be familiar with the fact that the Crepe Myrtle Trails of McKinney gives a uh, one-gallon crepe myrtle to every fifth grader in McKinney Independent School District for Mother's Day to give to his or her mother as a gift. And that's one that we have, Petite Plum is one that we have uh, asked be grown for us because I like it that much. And Catawba is another one. And uh, Sounds like I need to go back to school then. <laughs> oh, yeah, really. It's, uh, yeah, you, you're in the mother load of my favorite plants, so good deal. You bet. Thank you, buddy. Have a great you day. Bet. I will. You just made it, so thank you, sir. All right, Nancy and College Station, stay with me. We'll be right back with you. Uh, if you go to crepemyrtletrails.org, C-R-A-P-E, crepemyrtletrails.org, you will uh, you will see the list of the best crepe myrtles by variety, and I've helped develop that list, and I, I wrote most of what's on that website, and you can get a pretty good idea of, of uh, the good crepe myrtles, so maybe that will be of help to you. Uh, Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening is my book. In fact, that uh, chart of the best crepe myrtle varieties is is replicated right there, right there for you. Uh, this might be the only gardening reference book you will need to have in your library. That is a rather, uh, um, hmm, that's a rather bold statement for an author to make, and I apologize. I don't mean to sound like I'm bragging. I'm, I, I worked hard to make it that way, and, and if you think that's the case, then good. I got my job done. It's a hardback, 344 pages, 840 of my photographs. It was printed here in Texas, not in China. I, I was asked uh, by the uh, man who was helping me source printers, 
do you want to keep it in Texas? I said, you know, I can't picture a book called Lone Star Gardening being printed anywhere else. And he said, okay, that's what I needed to know. I'll find a printer in Texas for you. And he found uh, Clear Visions in San Antonio. They're great. And then he found Universal Bookbindery in San Antonio. They're great. Eleven chapters covering, well, chapter one is the basics of gardening in Texas. Chapter two is the 48-page calendar, four pages per month that tell you when to plant, prune, fertilize, and spray all of your plants for every county in Texas. Chapter three is really detailed on trees, and chapter four on shrubs, and then vines, ground covers, annuals, perennials, lawns, fruit, and vegetables. I spent a month writing each one of those 11 chapters and then uh, another month just kind of getting everything put together. A year of my life getting this book ready for you. And I have reduced the price to just $36.95 to help in these economic times. And that goes for you and it goes for me too. I need some cash flow and this will help. So your satisfaction with the book is completely guaranteed or I'll refund every penny. And I will tell you that in 77,000 copies sold to date, I have not had a request for a refund yet. I sign each copy as it sells. I sign them in the garage, take them to the uh, post office myself. That's what happens when you self-publish, and that's small business America. I love doing it. I would not go back to working through a publishing house. I can sell this book to you much less expensively that way because there's no publishing house, there is no distributor, and there is no retailer. Uh, in the middle. It's from my garage to the post office to your mailbox. Order it now. Well, you can order it right now on my website at neilsperry.com. That's actually the better way of the two ways you can order it. N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y dot com. The other way you can do it if you just don't order online is uh, to call my office Monday through Friday. Business hours, 800-752-GROW. 800-752-4769. But as I said, the better way is at neilsperry.com. I'll have more after these messages. All right, Kelly, let's go to Nancy in College Station. Nancy, this is Neil. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. Hi. We are trying to grow pine trees. And on some of the trees, the tips start uh, the tips of the needles start turning brown and some of the trees have died yet you take a few steps and the next one is green and growing well what type of pine do you have we don't know we dug them up by hand um, from south college station and some of the others are closer to the navasota river How tall were they when you moved them? Um, Probably most of them were around a foot or a foot and a half tall. Okay, that's good. That's the right size. Um, And when did you move them? Um, Some of them were done like two to three years ago. And uh, we tried to do most of them during the uh, winter or early spring. Okay, has to be done during the winter. Winter. Yeah, early spring would be disastrous. You don't want any new growth on them. You don't want the the, the shoots, the new uh, candles of new growth showing at all. Um, when did they start browning on the on the ends of the of the needles? 
Um, some of them at different times. Some of them just recently, and uh, you know, some of them just at different times. Okay, uh, let me give you my best answer. Uh, anytime you have browning of of leaves, whether it's pine needles or house plants or whatever it is. Uh, that is a sign of moisture stress. That's the point farthest from the roots. It's like our fingertips and our earlobes uh, with circulatory problems. Um, and uh, in the case of uh, uh, the pines, that could be from last summer's drought. Uh, it could be from uh, really hot conditions, maybe against a, I'm, I'm giving you extreme examples, but maybe too close to a sidewalk or reflective surface. Uh, but it, it could also be uh, from the high sodium content you have in the water in Brazos County. Uh, that is a, a known problem. I grew up in College Station, and, and so I'm vastly familiar with pines or lack of that, of pines in College Station. My dad co-founded the Range and Forestry Department at A&M when they were together, and that was what it was called. And i begged him to help me grow pine trees. He was a range management specialist, but Bob Rhodes was the forester, and we lived about four houses from him. And I said, i got to have some pine trees. And they said, well, you're about 30 miles from where they grow happily. And, and sure enough, you go east out of College Station, and you see a lot more pines. Mm-hmm. I have one more break I need to get in, so I've got to kind of be quick about it. But, but that's part of your okay. problem is that they are just not very well adapted. And as you as you drive around town, you'll see there aren't very many, and they will vary from one yeah. tree to the next, just as humans adapt to College Station better than uh, one better than the other. Some people can handle the humidity in June, and others can't. Um, but that could be part of it. Now, if just the tip dies out of the growing tip, that could be shoot tip moth there's an insect that goes after the growing tip but if it's just the tips of the needles that's moisture stress of some sort and uh, uh, watering regularly should help that hopefully but but they're a challenge at best they're a challenge okay and what what about those insects is there anything we could spray on almost any insecticide will help with that and it would be sprayed in the spring i'll let you do a little research on shoot tip moth control on pines that's an okay. easy find on, online. I gotta get this last break in. Hey, I appreciate your okay, call. Okay, thank very you much. so much. Thank you, Nancy. Uh-huh. Goodbye. Let me tell you about my website now. It's neilsperry.com. It's where you buy my book. It's where you uh, sign up for eGardens, everything I've told you about, and the Rose Rosette as well, and a lot of information on great myrtles. That's at N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. Seems like these days, temporary storage facilities are on every street corner, but let's do a little bit of math. For what you're paying in yearly costs for that storage room that you have, you could own a metal storage building right of your own, in your own backyard. That's with a Mueller Backyard Building. Their backyard building kits are easy to assemble with bolt-together design. They're priced right. You keep your stuff at home. You're not throwing away money by leasing storage. Their kits come in a variety of sizes with more than 30 colors from which to choose, adding style to your storage space. If you need a larger storage solution, Mueller's pre-engineered standard series buildings can accommodate almost any need. Whether it's a smaller place for a lawnmower, a place for cars, boats, or even an RV, you can have peace of mind that a Mueller metal building will protect those treasures at a reasonable price. See all the options at MuellerInc.com, M-U-E-L-L-E-R-I-N-C.com, or call 877-2-MUELLER, 877 268 
888-3553. Mueller, made in America, made to last. I'll have more after this message. All right, and it looks like uh, we are just right on the cusp of running out of time, so thank you very much for listening. I hope you have a pleasant, wonderful week. Hope you get a lot of gardening done, and I thank you so much for listening. How about that for cutting that exactly right, Jared? You're a masterful leader uh, in the other room there. Folks, uh, join me at uh, neilsperry.com, my website, and a podcast of this will be on my website Monday evening. I hope uh, you'll uh, join me. So thanks. We'll be back next week, same time, same station. Until then, thanks for listening, and happy gardening.